Efficiency Services Group partners with publicly owned electric utilities to deliver energy efficiency programs and services. ESG serves as an extension of energy services staff, bringing a wealth of skills and experience to provide direct install programs, customer care kits, field auditing and inspections, utility staff training, and reporting for Bonneville Power Administration customers and California utilities. Learn more about how ESG can benefit your energy efficiency organization at EfficiencyServicesGroup.com. That's EfficiencyServicesGroup.com. Welcome to News Data's Energy West, a podcast about the energy industry today and where it's going tomorrow. Hello, I'm Dan Cashball, reporter of News Data's Clearing Up, and with me is my co-host and editor of News Data's California Energy Markets, Jason Fordney. We're here with some of the top stories we've been working on lately. First, Jason, how are you doing today? Going great, Dan. I had a nice three-day weekend. I did a little camping up in North Yuba, so that was really oh, fun. Nice. Fantastic. How was yeah. the weather? Weather's great. We're having a little late-season warmth and uh, was even able to jump in the river, although it was cold. Yeah, I can imagine. Good times. And you were doing a little traveling too, right? Uh, no, I was. I was here, uh, but I did have the good fortune last week to, um, well, I mean, in terms of work, got to go to the CREPC conference, which is um, a terrible acronym, <laughs> but a great conference. Uh, and it, it stands for what? The Committee on Regular Regional Electric partnership cooperation or something i forget i don't even know that i should look up the i should know the acronym right before we start recording the committee on regional electric electric power cooperation there you go yeah it's which is clearly so it's a committee of the western interstate energy board and the western conference of public service commissioners uh so it's this kind of arcane uh entity that like has become the the hot conference to go to like where things happen in the west yeah so you've got all the state regulators across the west coming together and then key players from all the major uh electric power utilities and just industry players there so i mean it really is like a who's who of the of industry insiders uh, Mm -hmm. tackling some you know major issues uh, yeah. So it was in Seattle this year. So I got to attend um, very conveniently. Uh, I'm sure we will have somebody traveling to the next one, though, because it's too important for us to not cover. Yeah, I've been to a couple of them. They are really good. Very meaty panels and, um, yeah, good content. Yeah. Well, and just all the like uh, opportunities to have those side conversations and get to know people. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a lot of people who I've seen with me. I've you know, spent countless hours on the phone, phone with them uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, could tell you all about their kids and their lives <laughs> and they could tell you about mine, but we've never actually met in person. So Yeah. It's the way of the world these days, but it's, I'm glad you got to meet a few people, hopefully. Yeah. You got a, you got a few interesting stories out of it. Um, so I, I cool. was going to catch, catch you up, catch up listeners on, uh, the top story out of it that I got about uh, the state commissioners looking at starting a group to spur transmission expansion. Yeah. 
And then I was also going to talk a little bit about another announcement that came out just days before that about the Western Power Pool trying to get its own coalition together to spur transmission expansion. I can see why they want to do this, but yeah, a lot, a lot happening in this space right now. Yeah. So what do you what do you got for uh, listeners today? Oh, okay. Well, I was going to talk a little bit about the upcoming eclipse. California ISO has really put out a lot of good information on its preparations for the eclipse. This will be the second one I've covered in California. And then uh, another report on inverter faults, inverter issues with battery storage resources, which is something that we've seen with solar quite a bit in the West. And now North warning of the same problem with batteries. So I'll dig into that a little bit. Yeah. There's a panel on inverter-based resources at the at the conference. I believe it. Definitely something on their radar. Well, so I'll just uh, kick us off here with, so the, on uh, the second day and first day of the conference, they discussed a um, proposal to, like I said, create a, a, a working group to bring together state regulators and other insiders to uh, find ways to move transmission expansion forward. So, yeah, I mean, they were pretty candid about this in the conversation. They, so they had a panel that was led by former FERC commissioner, Richard Glick, uh, and they, they'd they hired Gridworks, the consulting firm, which Glick now works for, uh, to figure out, come up with a proposal, you know, do some kind of survey folks in the field uh, in among utility people on the utility side, people in commissions, on, you know, the regulatory side and others. And can I get a good sense of the, the lay of the land and perspectives and possible avenues forward and lay out some uh, proposals for how to move things forward? Because right now there's a lot of frustration. We need a lot of transmission and it the transmission that is getting built, uh, it's happening at a you know, just numbingly slow pace. Very I mean, slow. as as several commissioners said during the uh, program, uh, during the discussion, I mean, the the system for transmission building is and planning uh, is broken, as uh, yeah. Eric Blank from Colorado put it. The status respects in many or the status quo in many respects is deeply broken. And that was a sentiment that was widely shared. He was not an outlier on that. And so they're looking at how to get what role the state commissions have to play. You know, transmission historically, interregional transmission. Big transmission projects have been FERC's you know, that that is clearly a federal issue, FERC's mandate or FERC's purview. But as Megan Decker told me in an interview afterwards, you know, states have a role to play. Let's let's play the cards that we have to play. Uh, Megan Decker's a uh, member of the Oregon Public Utilities Commission and you know, kind of one of the and she's uh, has a role in Krepsi, so she's helped running the meeting. But you know, it was really one of the uh, most the commissioners most engaged in the conversations. Yeah, uh, so they're they're looking to get commissions together, uh, regulators together to find ways to uh, better align planning uh, among utilities to get more emphasis on like interregional big transmission projects that have broader benefits, and also and really importantly. Uh, look at cost allocation and cost recovery and how to better align, like where they can 
better align those between the different states so it's a more streamlined process, but then also kind of find new ways to look at it to uh, right now, cost recovery tends to be pretty parochial sort of uh, like that it's does this um, transmission project immediately pencil out for my ratepayers. But as they were saying, you know, as we've seen from all the studies that have been done recently on transmission, we need a lot of transmission. And it's not because we're looking at really these are like region wide benefits. And mm -hmm. so once you get into the nitty gritty of, well, we're only going to build if it like really pencils up for this one utility or this one utility that really slows down the process as the criticism that and concern that a lot of folks have including where these folks are coming from and discussing um, how Krupsi, how state regulators can get in here and, and kind of find a way to spur things along. So later uh, this fall, they're going to uh, make a decision about what to do on this. So they, they reviewed the proposal. Um, they're looking at some steps to move forward on in terms of creating a forum to come together, creating a working group to kind of figure out what the forum is. So as, as a, Decker said to me afterwards, she's like, I know it's a proposal. We we hired a consultant to come up with a proposal to form a working group to do a study. <laughs> like, but All at the, the same time, boxes. yeah, uh, like this is where thing, this, this is, you know, where progress can be made is her take on it. You know, it's, yeah, it's not um, like big immediate action. But it's the, like, you got to do this stuff to be able to move things forward. If we're not going to like overturn the entire planning paradigm or, you know, have the West go to an RTO regional transmission organization and, and regionalize transmission planning short of that, uh, you know, states utilities can't just wait for somebody else to come up with the solution. I think that was really the takeaway right now is that the industry, all these various players are saying we can't wait for somebody else to come up with the solution, which is, I think, the same kind of vibe that you saw driving uh, the announcement earlier in the week from the Western Power Pool about uh, its effort to form the Western Transmission Expansion Coalition. So another acronym to keep track of, the WTEC or the WTEC. So the Western Power Pool... Uh, is looking to bring together a steering committee that includes the WPP, but Northern Grid Transmission, Kaiso Training Transmission Planning, uh, the Western Electricity Coordinating Council, NIPSI, so Independent Power Producers, Renewable Northwest, Public Power Council. So a lot of different voices. I mean, those are just some of the proposed um, participants, but they're similarly trying to find a way to bring together key players in the industry to say, how can we work together to get more transmission built in a faster time? Because right now, and when you've got like Boardman to Hemingway, the high voltage line from Idaho into Oregon, that Pacific Power or yeah, Pacific Core and Idaho Power are have not broken ground on yet, but have spent almost 20 years in the process of getting permitted and planned that's crazy. And soon, starting this year, they're going to break ground. But um, yeah, they're so 
Western Power Pool saying, like, how can we get together to find a way to move this forward? State regulators saying, how can we find a way to move this forward? What are the cards we have to play? And, you know, everybody's trying to find where they can push on what Rob Gramlich um, calls the three P's, you know, permitting, paying, planning, the, the three P's of transmission. So different insiders are saying like let's get together and find out where we can push things forward on one on those three p's so hopefully we'll see some some forward movement here um the industry certainly needs it i don't think there's any question of that yeah the regional approach is really getting a lot more conversation i mean kaiso california independent system operator has been working on interregional framework with west connect and northern grid and you have the federal state transmission task force with FERC in the states. So just a pretty massive coming together on this issue. And I, you know, the state commissioners, I assume, are looking at all the renewables around the West and reliability and realizing they need more transmission for their RPS goals and um, to be able to, you know, get that better market. Trans markets are about transmission, right? So uh, but that will help. Um, the the problem I've always seen is once you actually get to putting steel in the ground, that's when the public gets notified and that's when the opposition really comes up, you know, and they don't like federal citing. A lot of people don't like federal citing authority. <clears throat> um, yeah. No, I mean, there are a lot of issues to deal. A lot yeah. of issues need to yeah. be resolved. Um, I know, but that's, you know, I guess the part of the point of these initiatives are the fact that there's, yeah, two dozen problems that need to be about the, the process now. You know, we we got to figure out how to tackle them one at a time and can't wait for the solution that's going to solve you know every single one across the board. Yep. That's a good way to put it. Good reporting there. Glad you made it, Dr. Krebsy. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it was a pleasure. It was a lot of fun. Well, good. So the eclipse, we're just a few days away from that. Actually, by the time this posts, uh, I think what that's Friday, this might be, you know, folk, folks might be listening to this on the day of the, the eclipse. Uh, it'll be, yeah, it's uh, Saturday, October 14th. Okay. <clears throat> um, yeah, it'll be starting 9 13 a.m. Pacific time in Oregon, ending in Texas at 1203. That's the main eclipse path. So you kind of have the, 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 this is not a total eclipse. It's an uh, annular eclipse, which gives more of a ring of fire type of effect because it doesn't completely cover the sun. But uh, some pretty big impacts, you know, obviously we have a lot of solar here. And, you know, I covered the 2017 eclipse. Kaiso actually invited a bunch of journalists, reporters, and cameras into the control room where we all sat there and watched the solar tick downwards. <clears throat> it wasn't, ended up, it wasn't a big deal in the end, but a lot has changed since 2017. We have a lot more solar in on the Kaiso grid. Uh, grid grid scale solar, you know, utility solar has increased by about 65 percent since 2017. Pretty incredible. Behind the meter, solar by 150 percent, and that's along with large increases in other western states. Obviously, the eclipse will have a bigger impact. Uh, across the Western energy imbalance market, I think they're talking up to 90%, you know, obscuring uh, across the markets, depending where you are. 
Um, but yeah, it's due to begin about 9.13 a.m. Pacific time uh, and end 12.03 Central time in Texas. That's the main path. Kaiso will lose almost 10,000 megawatts by 9.30 a.m., 10 gigawatts. Oh. That's 75% of its usual capacity. Between the maximum eclipse and the end of the eclipse, solar will surge back 10.8 gigawatts over about 90 minutes. That's about 120 megawatts of grid-scale solar hitting the grid, which is about 10 times the normal rate of that return, thus creating a pretty massive ramp. So a lot of a lot of planning. Um, if you look at an investor-owned utility territory, Southern California Edison, Pacific Gas and Electric, San Diego Gas and Electric, the maximum loss will be about 4.8 gigawatts. It also have some. It will create an unusual dual peak. You have your normal 7 a.m. peak, and then the way they describe it is load decreasing as uh, the eclipse sets in. And then uh, there'll be about a 2,300 megawatt ramp to peak around 9.15, and then the grid will get back to normal about 10.45 a.m. Hmm. So, yeah, interesting stuff. Kaisa said it's been communicating with all across the WEIM um, and the ramping issue is a big one and a lot of communication happening with neighboring utilities, state leaders and market participants. Um, so yeah, the, an analysis of the 2017 eclipse, Kaisa said the ISO markets played an instrumental role by allowing the eclipse conditions to be optimally absorbed and positioning the system with the proper amount and mix of resources. So this will be happening on a Saturday, which I guess it'll be a little bit lower demand, uh, but they seem like they're ready and um, will be interesting. I'll be checking it out, but remember to wear your special glasses if you do check it out. Yeah. Uh, I was just looking. You know, so we're going to have a total eclipse next year in April, and it looks like the path of this eclipse, this partial eclipse, uh, the annularity or the annular solar eclipse. Yeah, partial eclipse, um, and the total solar eclipse in April 2024. They the projected paths cross over just a little bit west of San Antonio. Hmm. They're they're going basically 90 degrees to each other. Yeah, it's supposed to hit U.S., Mexico, and Canada. Yeah, April 28th, and that will yeah, be the last I, last one until 2044. Yeah, in in the U.S. Yeah, I suppose that's what they mean here. Yeah, uh, yeah, because there's other ones. I think there's yeah. Just looking at a list of here, it looks like there's one almost every year. That makes sense uh, <laughs> around the world. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, in that 2017 one, that was um, that was actually just weeks after I started with news data. Um, my kids and I, my family and I, went down to Oregon to observe it, and. I gotta say that is wild watching yeah. total eclipse. But anyways, that's not why people are listening. Uh, but if you ever <laughs> have a chance to go see a total eclipse, do it. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. There's, there's yeah, no way to describe it. It's incredible. It's daylight and then it's night. And mm -hmm. it's just it's yeah. Yeah. I kind of amazing. Kind of wish this was happening on a weekday, um, because I'll probably be distracted with other things on a Saturday, but uh but good for the grid that it's happening on a weekend. I guess I, yeah, 
for sure. Yep. So, well, I'm looking forward to your coverage of the event because you know it'll oh, be thanks. interesting. Um, however, Kaiso handles it, and uh, you guys will have the the latest on it. Yeah, I'm sure Kaiso will be putting out some you know post eclipse reports. So, yeah. A, yeah, and Kaiso did a good job with there had lots of material on this. So you can find yeah, that on no, the Kaiso website. Definitely <clears throat> out ahead of it. So now, changing gears, uh, you had another story about inverters uh, from yep. North American Electric Reliability uh, Corporation, better known as NERC. Uh, what? So yeah, what do you have to tell us about that? Uh, an increasingly important issue for the grid, inverter-based resources, uh, but a really complicated one. So what? What did uh, what NERC and WAC have to say about? Uh, battery inverter faults. Well, this tr something that we've been reporting for quite some time has been happening on solar resources with some pretty big outages happening when the inverters trip offline. And there's various reasons. There's like software updates that weren't done. Um, but now, yeah, this is a report from October 2nd from NERC and the Western Electricity Coordinating Council, WEC. They did a joint investigation into the failures that have occurred with battery energy storage systems. This first report to focus on battery failures. They did stress the need to consider these systems in the same light as any other inverter-based resources, which would be solar photovoltaic, uh, mainly regar regarding the you know widespread reliability risks from this. Uh, the solar resource fa failures were in California, Utah, and Texas. But this is kind of new with the battery energy storage. Uh, so specifically, two widespread battery storage disturbances in the West occurred March 9th and April 6th, 2022. Uh, those were in Southern California. The first one, there was a loss of more than one gigawatt of generation. System frequency dropped, and that lasted for about 12 seconds. The second one caused an unexpected reduction of 490 meg I'm sorry 498 megawatts from multiple inverter based resources again affecting the frequency NERC says or the report says these are unique in that they are the first major events involving bulk energy storage facilities a majority of the inverters involved are made by the same manufacturers that make the solar PV inverters so there's somewhat of a technical uh, description about solar house inverters work, but um, yeah, there's a few recommendations in here. Recommends better assessment of the system ride-through capabilities. It also blasts quote poor commissioning practices as a significant contributor to the unreliable performance of inverter-based resources unquote. And did they specify what those poor practices are? Um, well, they did say planning coordinators need to identify unreliable performance, site metering issues, meter misconfigurations, and they need to confirm that installed equipment performance and capabilities match those in the studied models. Yeah, NERC's been raising the urgency on this for quite a quite some time um 
But yeah, it seems to be just sort of a combination of factors, you know, not any big negligence or anything, but um, something between the manufacturing, the installation, the updates, and the monitoring of this equipment that's causing these problems. Yeah. At Krepsi, there is a panel on this uh, yeah. on the last day that, um, yeah, and they're, one of the major things they were discussing there is the lack of standards that are actually required. That there, I mean, there are existing standards, uh, industry standards, but there's no requirement that, like, here's the standard that you should use. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and that was one thing that they, um, the panelists, uh, encouraged state commissioners to do is to require particular standards for the inverters uh, and how they connect to be applied to um, say like for a power purchase agreement uh, like this is the you know uh, the, the standards that we expect for these uh, these devices yeah, I guess NERC would, be, NERC would be the vehicle for that well, this was talking to state commissioners about what role they can play. Oh, okay. So they were saying, you know, when you're approving it, you one way to work it in is to say, here are what we think are the best practices. And if you want your PPA to get approved, we think, you know, we're going to make sure that your uh, inverter deployments uh, conform to you know, these IEEE standards. That makes sense. And the... The RTOs and ISOs also have some authority here. It says Kaiso issued notice of breach letters to affected generator owners, advising them that their facilities were out of compliance and requiring them to develop and implement mitigation plans. Those plans need to eliminate the unexpected causes of tripping and make changes to recording capabilities. So, yeah, some technical things that need to happen here, but um, it's like attention being focused on this issue a little bit. Hopefully, we'll solve these problems. Hopefully, it's becoming a bigger one. Uh, yeah, more very solar. technical. And I certainly need to spend some more time learning about. And uh, hey, you know, listeners, if you've got some thoughts about this, please drop us a line. Uh, I'm, yes. I'm at dcatch or I'm dcatchable at newsdata.com. Jason, you're, you've got the opposite. You're like Jason F at, right? Yeah. First Jason. name, last initial at newsdata. Yeah, and just to make things confusing, I'm first initial, last name, decatchable at news data. So please, as always, drop us a line if you've got some thoughts on inverters or markets or whatever. Yeah, or hit me up on X. Yeah. Only notice Twitter. In the meantime, uh, that's all from me, Dan Catchpole. Thank you for listening. Please rate and review this podcast wherever you listen to it and pass it along to a friend. Energy West is edited by our colleagues at Pioneer Utility Resources and Lucky Sound Studio. You can find me on X. I'm at dcatchpole and clearing up is on X at CU News Data. California Energy Markets is also on X at CEM News Data. That's the at symbol and the letter CEM News Data. I'm also on there at Fordney Energy. Check it out. And uh, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you back here next week. <laughs>